0: Welcome to the CCM Deep Dive Podcast as we go song by song and story by story through some of Christian music's most influential albums with the artists who created them. It's time to grab your coffee and settle in. Let's go.
1: You know, I've thought if you look at Jesus on the cross and tell him that, well, I there's this one thing I've done that's too much, then you're looking at him there and saying, so what you're doing is not enough.
0: Welcome to Let It Go, the ninth or tenth song off of the Freedom album by Whiteheart, depending on whether you had the vinyl, cassette, or CD. But we'll get more into that on a later episode. Let It Go was written by guitarist Billy Smiley and bassist Tommy Sims. But as guitarist Gordon Kennedy explains, there were many things to go through before landing on the final album cuts.
1: And thank Brown Bannister once again for... Those songs, the ones that we chose to put on the record, I mean, that was he was such a great filter that everything had to, you know, go through to to make it onto that record. And by the time it did, it, it's strong all these years later because of that.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Well, and I think Brown is a part of it, and Gordon certainly, you know, what he he said so well about Brown. Um, uh, and there are times, you know, there'll be times when you know when something starts to get a, a flow. And one of the things that we always did as a band is we would collect sometimes at my apartment or wherever we would be. And we'd say, well, what has God been saying to you this year? What, what what are you feeling? What Where are you instinctively going in your life? Is there something troubling you, you know, making you laugh or whatever? And we would write things down and there'd be this avalanche of ideas that people had, because once again, they're just wonderfully talented people. And, and so you start to get then a, a, an overall guest station from that point to a flow and to say this you know and i do think that the great albums of the time um, are reflective of the period they were written in i lament the fact that we download one song at a time now and it's in this random playlist because to me is what i respect about so many of the artists that were our forebears and contemporaries were they were saying this is the period of life that i'm living in this is the challenge this is the joy this is the pain I don't know what to do. You know, in the case of you know, we as believers, you know, we throw all all those questions before the living God, before our band members, and work out our faith in a song, and and that has always felt like an enormous privilege to do that. So what happens then is from those nascent ideas, you start to build a sense of where you are headed, and and it and it it um, it depends. It, it it starts to develop a sense of itself. And uh, and I would say, Gordon, and can add on to this, I think more than any other album by far, Freedom was that period of time. And Brown, brilliantly once again, rented a cabin at Montgomery Bell State Park. And for two weeks, we are out there and away from distractions and all the other things everybody does in the industry and all the other reasons why we wouldn't want to focus. And I think it made a huge difference. I think
1: also, you know, I remember Brown bringing in this new piece of technology that would help us compartmentalize our ideas and see everything that's going on and be able to look and know what we've done, what we still need to do. And it was a thing called a dry erase board. <laughs> and I think I heard some comedian say the other day that of all the inventions of modern, you know, day inventions, that the dry erase board is probably the most remarkable. <laughs> But that's I remember him putting the he would put the song titles up and and he had didn't he
3: color code them with like tempo. Oh yeah,
1: yeah I ha- I have
3: one in the other room to this day. I learned that when I work on projects for people, I I still do the same thing because it was so instructive. Yeah, we would be able to look and go, gosh,
1: we've got four ballads. We probably need two, and and but we were looking at the color of the ink or whatever or the marker yeah. on the board. So just even things like that help. He was, um, instrumental in helping us see clearer yeah. what we had going
4: and where we needed to be. Going. Absolutely. He, he had that vantage point of being removed, you know? So it wasn't, uh, you know, it was no skin off of his back, you know, one way or the other. He was just, he was just, in fact, he did a really cool thing. Um, as I recall, he had us turn in, uh, send in our tapes, back in those days, cassette tapes of ideas into this box he had at his office. Uh, but he didn't want anybody's names on, on it. You know, he just wanted the name of the idea and the song idea. So he kind of didn't want to know who was presenting to him. He just wanted to hear the idea and make his assessment purely from that, which I always thought, Over the years, that was one. That was one of those little nuggets I picked up on, and I was like, "That's genius, man!" Because, you know, how do you navigate a band of uh, uh, with five songwriters in it? You know, and uh, and that's that was how he did it. He just he just listened to the raw ideas, not knowing where they came from, and uh, and then showed up at the first rehearsal with just kind of his his arm full of uh ideas that he felt like hey these these are the ones that I think we should tackle you know and nobody nobody knew whose idea was going to be next nobody knew you know he didn't even know he just would call out he'd pull out the tape and play it and you know and then the the writer would would own up to it or not own up to it <laughs> you know <laughs> and uh that's how that's how we wound up uh choosing a lot of the material you know for the, the other thing he did um is
3: he would take out there, almost all the time back in the day, there were ping pong tables or there were pool tables in the studio because we, we needed to be diverted. <laughs> you were there for very long. It's not like now where everybody works in their home and, you know, they landline something over and whatever. You know, you drop box this and drop box that. And the unfortunate thing is it takes a great amount of musical discipline to imagine yourself in another room with another player and to create the kind of cohesiveness that happens when you're all sitting in the same place and you're having this collision of ideas and this this melee of sounds that arrives at a place because somebody brilliant like Brown Bannister took the sound that Gordon had and make Tommy, and Chris just lock. You, know, you know that's the beauty of all that. But he also did this thing where he would take the he would take all the songs we were dealing with, cut them up on individual pieces of paper, and lay it out on the ping pong table or the pool table. And so now you see that song with its tempo and it's key and it's title. And you look at him and say, well, if we're choosing 10 songs, what about this? And somebody would arrange their 10. And then it's like, yeah, well, okay. For, well, what about this? And you would arrive at that sense of a flow because, you know, when you're when you're making an album and those people that we talked about, that's so beautifully chronicled with, you know, an era. I mean, can you imagine Carole King's tapestry in any other era or, you know, some of some of the Led Zeppelin work or just yes, it's not a one, two, five. You know, I mean, a lot of that stuff that came from sonically, but but idea wise, what was going on in the world what happens then is you start to derive that sense of what it, what that album becomes. And those 10 songs together make a collective that you can say, you know, I knew those guys. I went to their concert and I, and I listened to their music and I walked through and I, under, I understand my own life a little better having listened to those songs. That's always the hope.
1: Another one thing I would add real quickly is that another thing that Brown did that I thought was so helpful to the end result was he, he carried around one of these when we were writing and he would fluctuate, uh, you know, or go between like, there's two guys writing over there too, the, over on this side of the cabin. And so he was always capturing things that we would forget about. And then when we got to where we were choosing songs and we went to, it was it NCS Mark Mark. Uh, yep. To, is that the name of the place or am I getting it? Yep. Nashville Carriage and um, sound
3: used to be a big rehearsal area. Yeah.
1: So he would carry one of those tape uh, machines around with him, And as we were rehearsing songs and Mark's got, you know, he might present six different keyboard ideas in the context of 10 minutes. And Brown has them all on this tape machine. So later he could remind Mark, remember when you did this? And that winds up on the record. And it might have been long forgotten several ideas ago because we keep going on to the next thing and the next thing. But he's always and that was another thing that I thought was brilliant for him. To- yep.
0: So, out of one of those writing sessions with Brown came this song, "Let It Go," with its message of healing through forgiveness.
3: Well, uh, it, there is freedom and forgiveness, man. You know, and and so many. It's it's. I I always th- look at it as is the cross is the is the seal on the great circle of love. When things get broken and you think they're irreparable and, and there's no way within yourself to find that road back to rejoin that circle of love then the the cross comes in and all its power and its beauty and basically it's cauterizing what was broken and i think people and i believe this i've seen this i've felt this in my own life when you're humble enough to confess to somebody else you know what i hurt you i'm so sorry would you please forgive me and or even forgive yourself for something you've done it's amazing you know (laughs) it should be obvious to us as believers, but it's the whole reason why it's, it's the whole reason why. And it is like, you know, there's a ray of gold. It just comes through when you feel the freedom, when you finally let go and that person becomes closer to you than before, because you had the humility to say to them, I've really hurt you. And I'm sorry, boy, how many relationships have gotten better as a result of that. And even, our relationships with the Lord, when we remove our self-imposed things about what we think he can't forgive. Uh. <laughs> oh, he couldn't forgive that. Oh, yes, he could. Oh, yes, he did.
1: Mm-hmm. You know, I've thought, Mark, uh, if you look at Jesus on the cross and tell him that, well, I there's this one thing I've done that's too much. Then you're looking at him there and saying, so what you're doing is not enough.
5: Mm-hmm. Amen. Yeah. It's why the gospel is so daily for me that it's just like, I got to get up and remind myself of the same stuff over and over again. Like I'm on Groundhog Day. (laughs) You know, it's like it is I it is it's work every day this side of heaven to for me to remind myself that of all those elements that you're talking about of. It's just like, how did he, that it covered everything, that, you know, everything. And we think of the things like that aren't. And and then we think of even the little things that we hold on to. And it's like, what in the heck am I doing? Like, I want, don't I want peace that he bought for me and hope and grace and all that? And it's just like, yep, just keep doing it. You just keep doing it. I just reminded more and more as I get every day older. The, it's just not real complicated on some levels.
0: Thank you for listening as we continue through the songs from Whiteheart's 1989 album Freedom. Join us next week as we dive into the final song on the album. I'll meet you there.